It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over a 100 social casino style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Mason Avenue's Modern League Podcast. I'm Steve Seiper, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos, Ken Lavin, and Thomas Anderson. How is everybody doing today? All right. I'm doing well. How are you? Okay. Fantasy football team isn't disappointing me too much today, you know, so that's mm-hmm. nice. Yeah, that's definitely a plus, I guess. Football, fucking football. What's the Juan Uribe quote? Someone cue that up. Let me oh. find it. Wow, oh, basically, fuck football. Yeah. Alright, um, so promote extend trade, and, um, so technically, today's Monday, even though we're recording on Sunday. Mm. But on this debate back in 1492, Christopher Columbus made landfall in the Americas. But he is a piece the of ocean shit. blue. Here's a piece of shit, so fuck him, and let's mm-hmm. go to something better. And in 1810, the first Oktoberfest happened. Ooh. I always thought that Oktoberfest was just kind of like a harvest festival, but I learned something, that it actually was just a, a celebration of the king of Bavaria getting married, and it kind of became like a yearly thing. And I'm not really sure when beer got involved, but... I mean, I'm sure well, it's German, kinda, so from the yeah, inception, sure. almost certain. <laughs> I'm sure it was central to the whole thing from the beginning. 
So very simple, promote, extend, trade, all the different beers out there. And I am not a beer person at all. I hate, like, all beer, so I will have to gracefully bow out of this one. You're killing me here, Steve, because I'm almost in the same boat. Uh, I like how Steve was like, yes, here's a promote, extend, trade. I cannot do it. (laughs) (laughs) So now entertain me. Uh Well, off the bat, I'm trading all IPAs, putting them on a rocket, launching that rocket into the sun because they're trash. I'm waiting, I'm waiting for some for I, I like some and I don't like others. Like it just depends for me. I don't have like a blanket like oh I don't like IPA take. But I understand why. Uh, I'm trying to think of something I actually enjoy drinking. The only thing I come up with is cider. I mean things like that. Are just, like yeah, like I wouldn't consider those beers though. Yeah. Yeah. I also have, like, basically transitioned only to, like, ciders, especially now that it's kind of, like, common or accepted or whatever you want to call it. There's a, there's a cider company in the Midwest, and uh, this is a total non sequitur, but here we go anyway. Uh, And I had, they, they, like, when you do PhD school interviews, they, they provide you with lots of food and stuff. They're like, yeah, come here. It's always like this. It's not always like that, of course. But <laughs> point being, went out to U Chicago and they had this Vandermill cider and I had to, I probably drank like five or six cans of the stuff over two days because it was just <laughs> awesome. You can't get it on the East Coast and I'm just eternally sad about that. It's always kind of weird, regional. Yeah, I guess they're just not big and, yeah, they're not, and all that kind of stuff. They're not like big enough to to have like a, a a distribution network that reaches out here. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do want to shout out. Um, this isn't one specific beer because I have a lot. It's more like a it's a brewery, but McKellar. It's connected to City Field. A lot of their stuff is really good. Like, I can't think of anything specific, but like. They really have some good stuff there. So, in 2027, when we could go back outside, we, <laughs> everyone should go there to watch. Well, bold of you to assume that there will be life on this earth in 2027. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would bet against that. Really, to watch 38 year old I I don't know stuff. if I'd bet for life in 2025. Uh, I don't know if I. <laughs> I'm being totally honest. I don't know if I bet on life in the next calendar year. <laughs> yeah, I mean. There's a lot of different ways the next, like, five weeks could go. <laughs> yeah, <true>. for real. <laughs> uh, I found one beer I will ex- extend. It's an Omegang Pale Sour that I actually quite like. Love Omegang. Yeah, yeah. Omegang's very nice. Um, I like promote stout, generally. I like stout, but I'm still trading all the IPAs. It's just bad. I'll trade Guinness right out of here and Heineken. Now, here's the question. Have you had... Irish Guinness. No. I've only had, like, the regular, like, stuff that you get for, like, cheap in a can. Like, never, like... It's totally different if you get it in Ireland. Yeah. I feel like most things outside of the U.S. are (laughs) of higher quality. (laughs) You're telling me things are better outside of the capitalistic hellscape that is the United States? I'm shocked. (laughs) <laughs> okay. 
We need like Allison or Jeff. Or oh God, we would be here. It'd be a two-hour podcast about just beer they're trading or so yeah, yeah. Yeah. I also imagine my IPA take would uh be criticized harshly. Yes, offend someone. <laughs> yeah. Because um, there's some staunch fans of IPAs. I question whether they have functional taste buds. If I'm being <laughs> totally honest. <laughs> Mine's really sad. <laughs> Go on. Uh, so I can only really drink light beer because of carbs and stuff. Oh, yeah, huh. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm going to extend Miller Lite. <laughs> I mean, if hey, you're going to hey, pick one. Hey, if you're it pick could one. be worse. You could be, yeah. like, doing Keystone Light or... I'm going to promote <laughs> Michelob Ultra. <laughs> <laughs> Those commercials. Like, I'm going to promote Natty Light. And I'm going to trade, like, everything else. <laughs> Is it alright? So, so I have a, I have a take. It's almost like the Michelob Ultra commercials were the predecessor to that really bad Peloton ad. It's like the people oh, at Peloton saw that Michelob ad. They're like, hmm, let's turn this up to like fifteen, and, and that's gonna be a great idea. It wasn't a great idea. <laughs> Funny. All right. <clears throat> We will go over to the CPBO, KBO, and MPB now. And the Unilions went 3-2. and two, So they are 28-25-1 in the second half, which is tied with the Fubon Guardians for first place. And Chi Xian Chen is hitter of the week. He went 7-for-20 with a double, a triple, two walks, a hit-by-pitch, and a stolen base. And Anko Lin, the hitter of the week last week, he did okay for himself, but um, I'm not really sure how. He didn't hit a single home run all week. So that basically ends any chance of him beating the single season league record. That's crazy. Was he yeah. just like, I'm a bunt this week? Yeah, like, I don't know. He <laughs> went from five five to nothing. But he still needs one more to tie Tilson Brito for the team record, and then two to claim it as his own. So he has six games, and I'd still bet on him at least tying it. And then pitcher of the week now is Tim Melville, the former Rockies pitcher, and he allowed one unearned run over six innings, scattering four hits, walking one, and striking out eight. Now we'll go over to Korea and the LG Twins. They had a very good week this week. They went six and one, and they are 76, 56, and three, back in second place now. Um, six games behind the NC Dinos. Hit of the week is Yunsung Che. He's the outfielder who wears the Harry Potter glasses. And he nice. went 9 for 26 with a double, three homers, all of which were in the same game. A walk, hit by pitch, and nine total RBI. And obviously the Twins, you know, they won six games this week. And three of those games were shutouts. So you'd think that picking the pitcher of the week wouldn't be easy, but it actually really was and it goes to Casey Kelly. He threw a complete game shutout. He scattered two hits. He walked one, and he struck out six. Nice. And before we move on to the Swallows, I think it's a good point to discuss another player who made some news this week in Korea. And the Kiwoom Heroes announced a couple of days ago that they're going to be um, posting their starting shortstop, Ha Song Kim. And, you know, he will be available this offseason. He's been worth a career-high 6.4 war so far this year, and he's hitting 304, 
396, 521 this season in 122 games with 27 homers and 21 stolen bases. And for his entire career, he has a cumulative 294, 372, 492 batting line with 130 homers and 132 stolen bases in 175 career games, accumulating 32.7 war over those seven years. So Kim was drafted by the Nexon Heroes in the third round of the 2014 draft. And since the draft actually takes place over the summer of the year before that, you know, so he was technically drafted in the summer of 13, and then he made his professional debut in 2014. And he was basically Jung Ho Gong's understudy in his rookie year. And then the Heroes posted Gong that year. And Kim went from understudy to everyday player after beating out like his competitors in spring training. And there were some questions as to whether or not it'd be a good idea to, you know, give a, a 19 year old with 60 games under his belt that much responsibility. But in his sophomore year, he hit 290, 362, 489 with 19 homers and 22 stolen bases. So obviously he was up to the task. And basically every year since then, he's, he's, basically done exactly that he's a very consistent player and he's a solid all-around guy he checks the boxes in pretty much every category he's projected to hit for average he's projected to hit for power he's speedy defense is is fine um you know his mechanics are very reminiscent if you watch videos of him of jung ho gong and when when he was posted i didn't think that he would really be able to hit well but a what do i know and B, you know, he made it work before all those injuries and everything like that. So Kim could definitely make it work too. The one thing I did notice when I was looking his at his advanced stats, and I don't really know how much of this really matters, but he he doesn't necessarily struggle against sliders, but he has a lot less success with sliders over the course of his career than he has against, you know, fastballs, curveballs, changeups, all that other stuff. And in the MLB, especially the last, you know, three or four years or whatever, like, uh, sliders are really like a steroid pitch. Like, guys are, are chucking like 91, 92 Marlboro sliders, which is faster than the average fastball over in Korea. So, could in theory be a problem for him. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, I'm cur- how much do you, th- how much money do you think he gets? I was look, I, I looked at like, Gong came over and got like a four-year, ten million dollar deal with a, a big option. Now he was a little bit older, but was a bit of a better hitter. Maybe not as good defensively. Um, I think Gong was twenty-eight, and and uh, uh, Kim is is twenty-five. I think he gets more than what Gong got just due to inflation and the age. But how much more? I don't think anyone's gonna be breaking the bank. He will yeah. definitely get more, but I mean, he should get a nice deal, but nothing like insane. Six point nine million per year. Nice. Yes. Nice. <laughs> it took me like a couple of seconds to get it, Come but on, I got people. it. Come on. He's <laughs> like, "Where'd you get that number from?" Yeah, no, I was thinking like, huh. Who who has a six point nine million dollar contract that to make a person? <laughs> oh, I get it. Okay. Uh-huh. See what you did there. Well, odds are though that the Mets are not going to be giving him a six point nine million dollar contract because they really uh, 
don't need him, which is good. I would argue that he'd be a good investment. Maybe it's just because I'm, I have an overwhelming preference for exciting young players from, from non-traditional avenues of adding talent, right? It's not like he's just a, not that I don't want to sign JT Real Muto, but like signing, signing Kim is interesting to me. I also am not like, a hundred percent sold on Andres Jimenez yet. I think he's good, but I don't think having another good young shortstop is a bad thing. Yeah. Play him a third. Maybe you can sign him and that lets makes trading JD Davis for, for either pitching or, or center field option more appealing. See, I it's, agree with that. I agree with that in theory, but I feel like <clears throat> it's wouldn't be a good idea to bring in a, how do I put it? Um, an unknown asset that Kim would be, and then in order to make room for him, get rid of a known asset, like a JT Davis or an Andres Jimenez or Ahmed Rosario, whoever, you know? Like, I feel like there's a lot of chance that it goes down wrong, especially because it's the Mets. I think my, my counter argument to that goes back to the, try the suck you don't know, and that's at least relevant to Ahmed Rosario. Not that he sucks, but we know what Ahmed Rosario is. Right, right, right. And I and I don't think it's a stretch to think that Kim could reproduce that with uh, even as he makes adjustments to the major leagues. Like, we've seen several Korean players come over, including Gung, who he's a similar player to, uh, and probably a better player then, uh, come over and have immediate success. Um... I think the upside here is significant. The defensive upside over JD Davis is obviously significant. And, 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 on, and honestly, it's such a, it's like not the most important roster point, right? Like in an ideal world, the Mets pick up a real center fielder. And in that case, JD Davis is like your first bat off the bench, get a couple starts a week guy. I think if you, yeah. I think it's worth rolling the dice there for the, Potential additional upside, the youth and the and the better defense. Assuming it's like, I don't know, if you get let's say he gets a four year, twenty million dollar contract, does that seem reasonable? I don't think that's too. I, I, I'm wondering if that's too low, honestly. That probably is about right because the market, you know, seems to always undersell these kinds of guys with the exception of like the superstars that come over from asia the tanakas the darvishes the otanis yeah (laughs) if the mets are really serious about spending money then that's like nothing right and and this is the kind of gamble for for five million dollars a year i'm racing to the metaphorical bank to to sign him for that amount of money because he doesn't even have to displace anyone for that much money. No, no, no. And if he's and if he's a bench guy that plays short, second, and third, and and look, look, adding extra depth makes makes trading more viable, and people yeah. will want JD Davis. It makes trading Ahmed Rosario more doable too, because it's. I could understand an argument where people don't want to trade Ahmed Rosario because oh well, what if Jimenez struggles and we have nothing? It's like that's or gets hurt. Right, right, but. You sign this guy and then trade Rosario, and you have reasonable depth. I also think that, like, the Mets aren't in a position like other teams are that you could just call a dude up from AAA and will have success at the major league level in a 20-game stint if someone gets hurt. Like, 
there's no one there. <laughs> so yeah. they have to they have to buy the depth, and this would be a way to do it. That's different. That's it's it's unique in a way because it's a whole it's a different way of looking at it. I think there's more upside here, like because you could give five million dollars to the random bench guy who's been a major league player for years, and you're probably going to get whatever his stat line is. Like you probably sometimes you'll get the Justin Turner effect where he just explodes, but for the most part you won't. So like this is more of an upside gamble, and if the Mets are actually serious about money, Cohen spending five million dollars on a backup shortstop isn't like who cares. Like no. the Wilpons, they would care because they simply either couldn't afford to in the later years or didn't want to in the earlier years. Mm-hmm. So like, and I, I I could see them doing this as an upside thing, but also the Mets have never been interested in these players outside of like Kaz Matsui. So <laughs> like, who knows if Steve Cohen will care either? Like we just have no idea how he's gonna view. That's a really fair point. Like. Like, we have no idea, like, how, I don't know how Sandy is gonna look at it, because Sandy never signed those dudes as a Mets, as the Mets GM, but that's because Jeff Wilpon was like, don't do that. So, like, who, Sandy might really want someone like that. And also you have to factor in the geographical stuff, like, Otani was never signing on the East Coast because Japan. So, Mm -hmm. like, he might want to stay on the West Coast because it's closer to home and it's closer to being, and I would understand that, because otherwise it's like a, like a, I, it's it's a long flight. I was gonna say like twelve hours. I think that's a little too long, but like uh, it's like twenty, I think. Oh, really? It's that not long. that bad to Korea. It's not, I mean, it's bad, but it's not. Too but long. it's uh, yeah. But like, that's another factor too that they the, the Mets even if they want him might not even get to. Well, that, well, that that was something I was gonna wonder, right? If I don't understand quite how the new posting system works, I know it's tied to contract value, but I don't know if that's based on where he chooses to go yeah. or if the team just takes the highest bid. And I could imagine a world where he doesn't really want to come to the Mets because he says, "Oh wait, you have all these other hitters." That's that, that's true too. Mm. He might look at the depth chart and be like, "This is the last place that I could actually get a starting role." Because right. right. That's that's why I figured that he's not a very good fit because he is a starting mm-hmm. caliber player. He's gonna want, obviously, you know, no one wants to be a bench guy, but he's gonna want to be a starting shortstop. And that's you can rearrange the deck chairs a little bit to kind of make room for a guy like him, but you would be sacrificing an asset that they already have in either uh, Ahmed or Andres Jimenez at short, or if you want to play him at third, which I hadn't even really thought of, and he probably would fit well enough at third. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, moving JD Davis or Jeff McNeil, whoever the, you know, third baseman of the day is. So, it, 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 he could fit, and he could. It's imperfect. Uh, You're definitely right that it's imperfect, right? It's also yeah. pretty low on the needs totem pole here. Yes. Well, that's oh, yeah. the other element oh, yeah. of it, right? Like, I I have a lot more faith in uh, an Asian hitter to come over and have success than I do an Asian pitcher. I don't know if that's particularly misguided, particularly from the Korean league, right? So I don't there, – there are ways to add talent that are underappreciated, but I don't think it's as easy to find pitching that way, right? Um, so maybe you find hitting and trade some of the hitting you have for pitching – the point is, I hope they at least look into it. Like, I hope this new front office regime is more interested in all potential avenues of of talent yeah. acquisition. Yeah, it would I mean, like. All, all we could hope is they do their due diligence. Yeah. It sounds like lame to be like, well, I hope they try, but like, it would be actually refreshing 
if, to see, have them try. If, yes. If, if we get the, the the Ken Rosenthal tweet that he signs with like Oakland, but like the Mets were a serious bidder and he just didn't choose them. Yeah. Like, yeah, then I would be like, oh, they're serious about caring about Japanese hitters and and Asian hitters in general. Like everyone over there. So like mm-hmm. it would be it would be a refreshing change of pace even if they don't get them. Like when I remember when Stanton was getting traded and. I wanted the Mets to explore it, and they were like, well, he would never waive the no-trade clause, and it's like, I still want them to try, because all he could do is say no, and then it's like, we actually tried. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like we actually got to the table, and we're like, here's an offer. The Mets couldn't offer anything that anyone else could, and it was all, like, regardless of that, like, it's annoying when they don't even, aren't even at the table at all for those conversations, and if they are, then it shows that they're serious about actually looking into those talents for when the next Shohei shows up the Mets will actually be, like, serious about... Like, because when Shohei was being posted, I was like, the Mets will never even care at all. Like, there's... He's, like, a two-way talent and one of the most unique players in the sport, and the Mets will be like, eh. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever. And just because they don't care about hitters from Asian countries, it seems, since I guess Kaz was so bad for them that they were like, they're all bad. (laughs) But... It would be nice to see a change of pace in that regard, even if they don't end up with him. Agreed. All right, and now let's finish up with the Occult Swallows, and they went 1-5 on the week, which I think is actually the worst week that they've had, and they've had some really bad weeks. And they are 35-53-6 as a result. And Munetaka Murakami, you said over the week, wasn't a particularly great week. He went 6-24 with a double, a homer, two walks, and four RBI total. So that's very ho-hum. And Masanori Ishikawa, he is the pitcher of the week. He gave up two runs over five innings, scattering six hits, walking two, and striking out five. And that was good enough for pitcher of the week. Uh, Ishikawa, he's a 19-year-old, excuse me, 19-year-old? No, 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 19-year veteran. (laughs) <laughs> that, oh, that's a big difference. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's 19 his, years old and he's been in the league for 19 years. It's crazy. <laughs> his age five season was wild. <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh, yeah, he spent his entire career with the Swallows. He was drafted in the 2001 NPB draft and he made his debut the next year and he won the Central League Rookie of the Year in his, his debut year. He posted a 333 ERA in 178 and one-third innings. And he's had some seasons where he's been a little bit better than that. He's had some seasons where he's been a little bit worse, especially the last couple of years because his his age is... He's getting up there now. But he's basically been uh, the rock in the Swallows rotation. And he has a career 383 ERA in 392 career starts and then another 100 appearances extra out of the bullpen. And because of his age... Because of the fact that he's a left-hander, the fact he has impeccable command, and the fact that his fastball's so slow, I think you could call him the Japanese Jamie Moyer. His, oh, God. His, yeah, his fastball sits 83 to 86. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, he makes it work because of the aforementioned command, and then he basically can just throw the entire kitchen sink. He throws curveballs, sliders, screwballs, cutters, change-ups... Two seam fastballs, shoot balls, everything. So, um, for the people out there that, that like to watch baseball stuff on YouTube and get lost on random binges, 
uh, Ishikawa is actually in in a famous uh, Japanese baseball YouTube viral video, I guess it would be called. So there's a clip where uh, a pitcher hits Tony Batista. He was playing with the softback Hawks at the time. And Batista, he gets hit in the arm guard. And he's like leaning away from the pitch, obviously, as it's coming in. And he does like basically a, a 360. And <laughs> after kind of losing his balance and getting hit, he starts running to first base. But um, because of his momentum and everything, his his trot takes him towards the pitcher's mound first and then back onto the first base line. And the pitcher thinks that Batista is charging the mound. So he freaks out. And it's kind of comical. And that was Ishikawa like 15 years ago. I really hope there's like a a Benny Hill theme going as this is happening. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> du, 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 du. <laughs> and he, it's it's. I don't know if Tony Batista like really knew what the hell was going on because when they showed him a couple of times, you know, moments afterwards, he had no emotion on his face or nothing like that. But Ishikawa, he was like laughing and blushing, whatever. The dugouts, they were like mocking him. So awesome. they all they all saw him basically uh, run. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so funny. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, Priceline. All right, so now back to the Mets. And last week we spoke a little bit about Francisco Alvarez going to the Sydney Blue Sox this winter. And the team was hinting that there was going to be other Mets prospects joining him. And now it's been revealed who one of them is. And it's a very exciting prospect, Carlos Cortez. Carlos Cortez is going to... There was much rejoicing, yeah. Podcast concern. <laughs> We've talked about this a lot in the past, but Carlos Cortez, I think, is the sterling example of the kind of guy that we've dinged Sandy and Tommy Tannis in the past about the overslot or slot appropriate college guy that just isn't really good at all. Who and they drafted he, previously, yeah, and didn't yeah. sign. You, you got to get all the metisms <laughs> into the like he covers. He takes all the metism boxes. Uh, the the attrition rate for those kinds of guys is is really high, and that's the reason why there's been such depth problems in Binghamton, Las Vegas, and Syracuse the last couple of years. And like Carlos Cortez is like the man on the statue for that. They they picked him in the third round in 2018, which I think was a bit too aggressive, and they went over slot to make sure that they got him. And, oh weird. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't I don't see it. Um, yeah, obviously they liked him out of high school, and I think he was a better player out of out of high school. But they didn't get him then, so they should have just moved on. But they didn't because I think he became less good of a player in his couple of seasons with the South Carolina Gamecocks. Um, but yeah, like went through like a lot of weird swing changes. Yeah, like um, his uh, it was his sophomore year he came out, right? Yes, yes. Yes. Draft eligible, eligible sophomore. Um, like he tried to hit for way more power, mm-hmm. and like tried to be a stomp and lift guy in his, his final year at college, and like 
<laughs> He's five foot seven. Flipped at, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we're not saying that he has no power, but he does have a little bit of pop. But that kind of strategy, I guess, when you're not like a real slugger, probably isn't the best because yeah, when you when you hit the ball square, okay, it's gonna go far. But when you you know don't hit the ball squarely and he kind of does have some susceptibility against good breaking pitches. So, you know, there's a lot of pitches that he's going to make weak contact with or, or strike out over, um, you know, I just don't, I just don't see anything. And where, where, where did you say he, he was going? Is he go, He's going down to Australia with Francisco or? Yes. Yeah. Yep. All right. So you can go learn from Manny. He's going to come back a power hitter. Problem <laughs> That's true. Man, you can give him a little bit of the, 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 uh, what was it that Manny took? Not the cream and the clear. He took the... Oh, no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't care. Like, he, he, Carlos Cortez wants to be a power hitter. <laughs> We're going to make him a power hitter. <laughs> He's going to put on one of those, uh, didn't the Dodgers at some point tell like a promotional Manny wig thing, kind of thing with like the do-rag and the dreads. He's going to come back looking like that, wearing one of the... He's going to show up in Australia, he's going to put on one of those in the first game, and he's just going to start hitting dingers. If it works, whatever works. I'm completely fine with that. I would be perfectly happy to eat crow about Carlos Cortez. Mm. And we'll take back all the mean things that we said about him. (laughs) If he can uh, turn himself into a bona fide 50-plus home run power threat. But, yeah, so, also, in addition to um, rosters and winter ball places starting to fill out now, the Mets also released the names of everybody that is invited to fall instructs, and pretty much it's a who's who in the system with, you know, a handful of lesser guys. So, pitching-wise, there's Dyson Acosta, Matt Allen, Jay Speck, Jose Budo, Trey Cobb, Josh Corneli, Tony DeBrell, JT Ginn, Cole Gordon, Dylan Hall, Brandon Hardy, Colin Holderman, Nate Jones, Eric Kaiser, Tyler McGill, Brian Matoyer, Luis Moreno, Daniel Nunez, Eric Ors, Franklin Para, Marcel Renteria, Rayson Santos, Yolander Suarez, Jordani Ventura, Josh Walker, Tommy Wilson, and Joshua Wolf. Are there any pitchers that you guys, you know, we don't need to go into crazy detail or nothing like that, but just any names that you would, you wish that you uh, saw there? Not going to lie. I know he's obviously not around anymore. You said Jordani. I'm like, oh, Valdis being showing up again. That'll be fun. <laughs> so I'm disappointed he's not there. Minor the league manager Jordani Valdis. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> he's the one that has the Manny wig, and he's uh, trying to be a different <laughs> player now. <laughs> Um, it seemed, I'm trying to think of any big name that wasn't there that I would want to be in this sort of league. Yeah, I, I feel like everybody gets goes to yeah. yeah. There's yeah. a couple of like minor names that you know it's like whatever, but one guy that's notably missing is Roberto Dominguez, and I don't really know if it's because of like. Visa things, like he was just signed, so I don't even know if he's, you know, can be granted a visa because he 
to come to the to Florida for the Intrucks. Also, he hasn't even played professionally yet, so I don't know if that's a rule. Like you can't come to Intrucks without being having professional time. I don't know, but that sticks out to me because he was such a very highly regarded signing when the Mets, you know, picked him up. It, it was regarded as such a steal. Mm. Yeah, that is a little. That is a good point. Um, I wonder if it's like a. There always could be like nagging health things we don't know about too. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a lot, especially with the IFAs. That's really they're all merely mysterious. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Sh- I'm surprised this is as many people are uh, this many people are going. I assume there might have been like uh, quarantine restrictions. I'm sure it's going to be somehow complicated by that. Um, hopefully, they're taking the necessary precautions and all that. Right, that's another thing. I don't really know if there's a limit to the amount of guys that you can bring. Because, I mean, most of the guys that I, I kind of noticed that I would have preferred them being there, a lot of IFA guys, a lot of guys that would have been in, you know, Kingsport, the GCL. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, if there is a limit, then obviously you have to prioritize your higher name, higher, you know, uh, ranked names and guys with a little more experience under their belt. Yeah. There's, there's also a fundamental problem here in that the Mets don't have enough good prospects for <laughs> that too. <laughs> for there for there to be a real log jam here. So it's like, yeah, there may be a couple guys that could have gone, but I don't care that much. <laughs> yeah. Like in you term- you probably caught the only name of significant in terms of a prospect that that isn't there. Yeah. In terms of catchers now, there's Francisco Alvarez, so he's going to have a busy winter. Uh, Matt Dyer, Nick Meyer, Jose Rivera, Andy Rodriguez, and Hayden Sanger. I thought that was kind of short list because there's a lot of catchers. Yeah. I yeah. I mean, it's it's honestly a little weird to not have Ali Sanchez on that list all of a yeah, sudden. It, yeah, it feels like he's been on those kind of lists for so long, and now suddenly he's. Well, <laughs> he's a big leaguer now. Oh, yeah. big leaguer Ali Sanchez. Ooh. Um, he's a big leaguer. Just don't think it makes much sense to send Mazaika, Mazaika, whatever. Mazaika, yeah. Mazaika, yeah. Not that he's a real catcher either, but. Did he actually play in a major league game? I know they put an egg with him as like the taxi catcher, but I don't remember if he appeared. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a good I'm enough. Ass- Go ahead. Sorry. I'm assuming that having appeared in a major league game will make you ineligible to play in the instructs. So oh, probably. I mean, he's also a good enough hitter that showing up to this really doesn't do him. Not that I think he's a great major league talent or anything, but he's done enough in the minors that. Showing up here isn't going to do a whole lot, I don't think, for him. He did not appear in a game. Mm, Okay. Now, infielders, we have Brett Beatty, Carlos Cortez, Edgardo Fermin, Samuel Marte, Ronnie Mauricio, Shervian Newton, Jalen Palmer, Jose Peroza, Wilmer Reyes, Luke Ritter, Manny Rodriguez, Adrian Rubio, Junior Tillian, Mark Vientos, and Anthony Waters. Uh, you said Vermeen, right? Vermeen's going? Yeah, yes. I kind of feel like Vermeen kind of, we noticed him, then forgot about him, and now he's kind of popped up again, so I'm glad to see he's he's going out there. 
Um, anyone else we care about? Uh, Louis Carpio, not good. Uh, that's the only name I can think of. Yep, no Carpio. Mm. I'm surprised at that one. How high has he? Did he make it? To, well, obviously, he didn't do anything this year since there was no minor league season. Uh, I guess he, he got, he spent half a season at double A and hit reasonably well, so maybe there's not, there's probably not a huge benefit to him going down there, but. I, I would say though, like, I don't know, he hasn't played in so long. Like, that, yeah, that's of, a good counterpoint. Like, a lot of these dudes haven't, they didn't play all year. Like, mm-hmm. sure, what they were doing at the alternate sites was like, baseball, but it's different. Yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. lowercase baseball. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's more like practice for months. Which is like, you could learn stuff in practice, don't get me wrong, but yeah, right. You could learn stuff in practice, don't get me wrong, but like, it's not a game situation, and it's not... Yeah, no. It's different. I mean, there's a couple of uh, infielders, like, you know, again, same thing, very low level, somewhat prospecty, kind of high level, uh, kind of high bonus guys that weren't included, but... One guy that I noticed is missing, and he's only he's like the only first baseman in the entire system, Joe Genord. Ah, oh I, wow, yeah. I hope I hope that doesn't bode you know bad for him because obviously you know two teams are being you know Kingsport was already Thanos, and then <laughs> you know either either we're going with here. MLP has now assembled the Infinity Stones to the minor leagues, and Rob Benford snapped his fingers. There we all right. That pretty much is what happened. <laughs> but, you know, the, the entire Kingsport team is gone. And then whatever, you know, between Brooklyn and Binghamton, however that shakes itself out, one of those two will be gone. And, you know, Joe Genord is a kind of fringiest kind of guy. So I hope that doesn't mean that his job is basically gone. Wasn't he one of your dudes, Ken? Correct me if I'm putting words in your mouth. I remember, but I remember you being a big fan of some random first baseman. Uh, Joe Ganord? Was mm-hmm. it Joe Ganord? Okay. It was Joe Ganord. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How could you not like a guy like that? He's just, he's, he doesn't do anything except for occasionally run into a couple of homers. I appreciate and respect that. <laughs> and now looking at the outfielders. This is uh, gonna be depressing. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Tim Tebow. Yeah. No, surprisingly, no Tebow. But he's no he's Tebow. Doing, he's what doing his. Doing? He's doing his SEC reporting and stuff, uh, so he doesn't uh. have time. <laughs> he should do it from the field and instructs. <laughs> that I paid money to see. Like, like they're just like, and now to our third panelist, Tim Tebow, and he's in the outfield. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> in a suit. Yeah, he's in a suit in the outfield. Dude, hey, no, no, I want I want baseball bottoms on and then the suit top. <laughs> right, right, because it's a zoom, so, you know. Yeah. It's, yeah, and then he's running and you see the striped pants and they're like, what are you wearing? Uh, oh, or you get like, I don't know if you guys remember that uh, the, the Red Sox booth was doing a Mookie Betts interview in spring training a couple oh, yeah, years that's ago. They hit the ball over his head. I'm not getting this one, boys, except <laughs> Tebow never gets anything over his head, so. <laughs> Pretty much, that would be Tebow. Uh, so the outfielders that are going are Ronnie Ayabar, Stanley Consuegra, Pete Crow Armstrong, Arm- Omar De Los Santos, Isaiah Green, Jake Mangum, Ural Martinez, Brandon McElwain, Blaine McIntosh, Alex Ramirez, Eric Santana, and Freddie Valdez. One guy that sticks out, but I guess it's, it's, 
in a in a sad way, I guess, is um no Desmond Lindsay, I guess that yeah, yeah. they just kind of have given up. Not not that it's he hasn't been given a million chances and just his health hasn't allowed him I don't blame to, them, but it sucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's it's sad. It's just like, oh uh, well, I guess that ship has finally sailed. Because like I don't know, I always thought there was maybe something there with him. And like I was, yeah. I just don't think it's physically possible at this point. Like No, no, no. It sucks. I'm I'm still fine with the process on that draft pick. Me too. It was mm-hmm. like a big upside swing and, and those have a low hit rate, but the, the idea made sense and it just didn't pan out. It just it happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean the much bigger problem that year, of course, is that they gave up their first round pitch to sign Michael fucking Kadire, but you know <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that in a couple of minutes, but yeah. Uh, Not, did you uh, say? Did you right. say uh, Alexander Ramirez in that list, or did I miss mm-hmm. him? Okay, yeah. okay, just making sure. I mean, v- Ramirez, Valdez, Consegra, Hernandez are the big names there, and I and and uh, PCA. Hernandez is not there, so I'm assuming that he's still not healthy. Yeah, yeah, because he was uh, sidelined by injury. But yeah, I mean, basically, it's all the guys you'd expect because those are the only guys. That's a little concerning that he's still not healthy, honestly, because he was hurt in 2019. Well, I don't know if it is because he's not healthy. I'm just saying he was injured, so it could be a possible reason why. There could yeah. also be other reasons that are much less worrisome. So, Yeah. That's one of those things we won't know until this full minor leagues and we see what he's doing. Yep, yeah, exactly. It's just impossible for us to know. I mean, right now, all we have on Hernandez are those first four games from 2019 where he was hitting 286, 375, 643, and it's like, oh, okay, this is fun, and <laughs> since then, nothing. We'll have those numbers forever, though. Yep, yep. Good enough to rank him top 10 in our prospect pool, right, Matt? <laughs> yeah, we got, we, well, we put him 20th, I think. So. No, I know. I'm just. <laughs> all right, okay. so... Um, before we move on to Sandy Alderson's 2015 season, all that stuff, we have an email, and it's not is it from, from a porn bot. No, it is not from Ho 52 So damn, I could get her email if you want it though, Lucas. Ah, uh, thanks. Yeah, send that to me after the pod. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, so this email is from Mr. Timothy Firth of Jackson, New Jersey, and Ooh. if if any of you guys. If any of you guys have been, like, paying attention to Mets Morning News the last week, two weeks, whatever it is, you might recognize the name. But in his email to me, Tim writes, and it's a long one, it's a doozy. <clears throat> in the off season, the Mets will name David Stearns, their new president of baseball operations and general manager, name Alex, Alex Rodriguez, their new manager. Oh. Name Tommy Watkins, their new first base coach. Name Tony Pachiza, their new third base coach. Name Steve Carsey, their new bullpen coach. Decline Robinson Chirinos, Todd Frazier, and Wilson Ramos' club option for next year. Decline Dellen Patances and Brad Brock's player options for next year. Non-tender Robert Gesellman and Tomas Nito's contracts. Sign Trevor Bauer, Marwin Gonzalez, Enrique Hernandez, Keone Kela, and JT Riamuto. 
Trade Robinson Cano, J.D. Davis, J. Reese Familia, and prospects Matthew Allen and Mark Vientos to the Rays for Blake Snell and Yoshitomo Ichigo. Trade Drew Smith and prospects Brett Beatty and Andy Rodriguez to the Cubs for Ian Happ and pitching prospect Cole Franklin. What? Trade Stephen Matz and prospects Javier Newton and Jalen Palmer to the Indians for Jose Ramirez and pitching prospects Ian Jenkins. <laughs> Trade Amanda Can we talk Rosario. about that Jose Ramirez acquisition? Uh, <laughs> wait, there's more. But wait, Trade, there's more. Yeah, pretty much. Trade Ahmed Rosario and pitching prospects JT Ginn and Josh Wolf to the Brewers for Josh Hader and prospect Bryce Durang. Trade Brandon Nimmo and pitching prospects Junior Santos and Jordan Ventura to the Astros for Roberto Ozuna and prospects Freudis Nova. And Is you aware signed, that Ozuna just had Tommy John like a month ago? <laughs> well, it doesn't matter because the next, continue the sentence, and sign Roberto Ozuna to a long-term contract extension. So, I thought about this for a while. I was thinking about his, his suggestions. And Mr. Firth, what you just said to me is the most insanely idiotic thing I've ever heard. <laughs> At no point did you rambling, incoherent response were <laughs> you even close <laughs> to anything considered to be a rational thought. Everyone in this podcast is now dumber for having listened to it. And I award you no points. And <laughs> may God have mercy on your soul. Jesus. So I, I love – I don't even hate this slate of free agent signings. Like Marwin Gonzalez is a weird one, and I know people have problems with Trevor Bauer, but I think he's very good on the field. I like that. It started with like – I just love the gradual escalation here, right? It's like, okay, those are all like semi-reasonable coaching and front office hires, except for A-Rod. That one makes no sense. I'd be very happy if they got David Stearns. Then it's like, all right, you're you're a fan who wants them to spend money. This is fine. And then you trade Robinson Cano's contract to Tampa Bay. (laughs) (laughs) And even Matt's and some Garbo for Jose fucking Ramirez. No, no, no. Let's talk about that, though. They should do that. Yeah, you know, really? They should do that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they should also trade uh, uh, fucking Louis Guillaume for Mike Trout while they're at it. Good idea. <laughs> <Get it done. laughs> All right, so uh, back to Sandy Alderson. The, Jesus the, the, Christ. The prospect list after that, if <laughs> who's left? Wild. <laughs> Tim Tebow might one be. prospect. Tim Tebow. Yeah, Tim Tebow <laughs> might be one. You know, this actually reminds me of what I what I am like ninety percent certain was a troll thread on the old MLB trade rumors forums way back when. This must have been in like two thousand ten or two thousand eleven when I was first really getting into baseball. Some guy just kept proposing that the Yankees should trade Nick Johnson and prospects, <laughs> not not specified which prospects, <laughs> to the Rockies for Ubaldo Jimenez. This is like right way, right after he was, he had that perfect game and all that when he was still good, Ubaldo. Cause, quote, the Rockies need a backup first baseman and to rebuild their farm system. That's so funny. <laughs> the, the Rockies need a backup first baseman. <laughs> they still had, um. Not a first uh, baseman. A backup first baseman. Who would they, uh, uh, Helton, right? Helton, they yeah. yeah, they still had Todd Helton, but they're gonna trade Ubaldo Menes for Nick Johnson and Prospects. 
Hey, man. Makes sense. They could only say no. <laughs> <laughs> What's the worst that could happen? On the off chance, the, the Rockies GM is drunk at the time and says yes. <laughs> True. Take that shot. Uh, anyway, uh, we last left um, last week with the ending of the 2014 system, the season, and you saw the farm system getting progressively better with a really strong core already on the Mets. So now let's look at 2015 at the free agent signings, and interestingly, there really were no minor league signings that uh, of guys that would go on to play, you know, um, important roles. And I guess that's good in a way because then that showed that the Mets didn't really need to go dumpster diving to kind of fill in important slots. Um, so we'll look at trades now. And on March 30th, the Mets traded Matt and Decker to the Washington Nationals for Jerry Blevins. And Jerry, hello. Yeah. Uh, Blevins, he only pitched a couple of innings for the Mets in 2015 because he broke his arm after yes. getting hit by yeah. a comeback in like April, but... He's then he broke it Mets. again when he tripped getting yeah, into yeah. rehab or something, yeah, right? Yeah. He was like on his way to rehab, I think, and he tripped and fell and rebroke yep. it. So he didn't really pitch much of that year, but he did stick around for the next couple of years, and he was a solid guy out of the bullpen. Yeah. And Matt, Den- Matt Dendecker that year actually had his best season to date, probably best season for his entire career going forward. He had a 114 OPS plus with the Nats in 55 games. And that was the year that Juan Lagares turned into bad Juan Lagares. So, you know. It looked kind of, yeah. Yeah, Dendeka would have been nice, especially because the other outfielders on the bench weren't really good either. But, you know. I think I would take take (laughs) that, like, Blevins helping the Mets out for a few years after 2015. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And knowing the Mets, you could have definitely seen them saying, oh, Lagares, Dendeka, Platoon, you know, it's not doing that bad. We don't need to trade for any other outfielders. Mm. And as as we know, um, a certain trade for a certain outfielder later on in the year completely changed the season. So imagine, though, like they didn't go out and get Cespedes because Lagares and Decker is good enough. Well, yeah. Then they don't make the World Series. No, no absolutely like, not. They also don't get the Wilmer tears on the field moment. Yeah. Who knows what happens. And that same day, um, the Mets traded uh, Corey Mazzoni and a player to be named later who would end up being bad week to the San Diego Padres in exchange for a left-handed reliever, Alex Torres. Oh, I forgot about this. Yeah. And was- Torres, nothing special. He had a 315 ERA in 34 and a third innings at the bullpen, and he hasn't played since. But Mazzoni and Brad Week, neither one of them have really uh, made their made their mark on baseball. So, to be honest, Alex Torres might be my least favorite Met of all time. I was it, was it the might hat? be agree, I might agree with no, you. No, he's just the, the most frustrating player in the world <laughs> to watch pitch. Six, he he had a, oh, here's a frustrating note. He had a six point eight walk per nine. In 2015. Oh, God. Yeah, he was horrific, <laughs> but couldn't even get it to 6-9. Come on, man. You're right there. <laughs> but m- more importantly, he had a 573 FIP. So his ERA was good, but he was not. Yeah, like, so when, when Steve, when you just read the ERA, I was like, it was that low? <laughs> 
because yeah. like I remember like just I don't remember the the actual numbers obviously like why like you looked them up I wouldn't remember off the top of my head but like I just remember him being awful and I was like I'm shocked that he had a three RA like I would have felt like it was six easy which the fifth is like that's what he deserves but like <laughs> trying to pull up his uh, can I even find him here. I'm trying to find him on baseball perspectives. God, I wish there... Alright, his DRA minus was only 114, so it's not, like, horrific, but that's 14% worse than league average. Just in terms of, like, aesthetics, though. He'd come to games and, like... (laughs) You just sit there knowing, alright, he's gonna walk the first three batters, and then the outing's actually gonna start, and we'll see how it goes. And Terry definitely brought him in a couple times with, like, multiple men on base. Be like, what yeah. are you doing? Yeah. Well, Terry was noted for his bullpen management, so. <laughs> all, uh, all of his days work. Alright, so those happened right before the season started, and then we had a couple of notable, uh, se- uh, trades that took place during the season. First of which was on July 24th. And the Mets traded John Gant and Rob Whalen to the Atlanta Braves in exchange for third baseman Ron Rive and uh, utility man Kelly Johnson. And cash. That was the most important part, probably, from the Wilpons perspective. That cash. Um, but, you know, Gant was never really considered much more than an organizational guy. Um, and his his upside was higher than Whalen, obviously. And most notable thing about Gant was his... Delivery. Just tall as hell, too. Yep. Kind of, yeah, it's kind of like hard to describe his delivery. You really have to just watch it. It's like, he just rocks a little bit, then he lifts his leg, then he puts his leg down again, then he lifts his leg again, then he actually pitches, but. I have no clue how he's able to stay in a rhythm doing that. Yeah. Does he still do it? I believe so. I haven't seen him pitch in so long, I don't remember. I mean, I still have seen him. I've seen him doing it with the uh, Braves with the uniform on. So, oh, yeah. and he's on the Cardinals now, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And he's good. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. He was okay with Atlanta, and then he really became like legit good when he went to the Cardinals. But a yeah. lot of that happens with a lot of guys. He added a little bit more to his fastball, and um, he added a slider to his arsenal as well. And you know that improved his curve. That happens a lot. That's one of those traits. Like, okay, like. It helps the Mets. He seems to only do one leg lift now. Oh, okay. That was the key. That was the key. (laughs) I mean, this this trade is good. It's a trade you hope you don't have to make, but when you have to make it, you make it in a contending season. Also, like, if you're a, a better organization than the Mets, you don't have to worry about losing John Grant. Like... Like yeah, even if he ends up good in St. Louis, it doesn't. It shouldn't matter. Mm-hmm. I think it's also defensible that they did this in a year where I don't think they most people didn't expect them to contend. Mm-hmm. So you're not like as concerned with filling out your bench depth, and then if you reach that point, you say, "Oh, we're actually good." You trade, you make this trade. Also, mm-hmm. uh, Kelly and Uribe were just loads of fun. Yeah, I I loved Jelly Johnson. Jelly Johnson. Yeah, that was a, a, it was a, I'm pretty sure Puma tweeted like, the home run by Jelly Johnson one time. <laughs> <laughs> like as a typo because the J and the K are right next to each other. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. For me, like I just called him Jelly Johnson forever. Like it was in Makes my head. Sense. But um, 
Yeah, they were You're punched. right, it was Puma. It was, right, yeah. It's just, for some reason, that tweet is, like, stuck in my head forever, because I was like, <laughs> Jelly Johnson? <laughs> like, it just makes me laugh every time I talk about it. And then Juan Uribe is one of the best characters oh, yeah. in baseball of the last decade. What was it that um, Carrig said he chewed? It was like Kahlua soaked tobacco. It was, oh, yeah. was his chewing tobacco would be dipped in Kahlua. <laughs> Can't argue with that. It's like what? Gives it a nice smooth nutty taste. Yeah. yeah the best. Oh God. A couple of days after that, now the Mets traded. Uh, right-handed pitcher Casey Meisner to the Oakland Athletics in exchange for Tyler Clippard and some more cash. And bad here. I, I liked Casey Meisner, but like Tyler Clippard is a lot better. Yeah. No, uh, I hard disagree. I don't think Tyler Clippard. I think Tyler Clippard is very much in that Alex Torres mold. Uh, he didn't annoy a- nearly as much. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Casey Meisner's, like, 90th percentile outcome is still not Tyler Clippard, so... <laughs> See, I don't have... The, my problem was never the trading Casey Meisner part of this. I'm like, yeah, trade Casey Meisner. I don't... I don't, <laughs> don't trade for a reliever who is actually good. Not but I, Tyler I don't Clippard. think you could trade Casey Meisner for a reliever who's actually good. I think you can, though, because I think they made this trade... Under the presupposition that Tyler Clippard is actually good because yeah. baseball thought he was good because his ERA was 2.92. His FIP was 4.67. His DRA was 90, which isn't good for, or DRA minus was for a reliever was 90. Not good. Like, He's trade fine. for a good reliever. We'll die on this hill. <laughs> was he not, I honestly don't remember, but was he not, like, Solid for the Mets down the stretch, and then he the was. Playoffs. I thought he was worse. I thought he was worse than he was, but he was like a three ERA guy. Yeah, his ERA honest. again. His ERA was fine, yeah. but like the right, right, right. were not. Um, so a couple of days after that, now here's the biggie: the Mets traded Michael Fulmer and Luis Sessa to the Detroit Tigers in exchange for Yoenis Cespedes, and A plus. <laughs> yeah, I mean. The funny thing is, if you want to be a stickler to the rules and worship the stats and look at war, and I, I have for years have gone back and forth with my friend, many of you may know him, Mookie the Cat, mm-hmm. going back and forth about whether or not this was a good trade or not. And my my side was always, obviously, because look at what Cespedes did. If you actually go to the numbers, Fulmer has produced more value by war than Cespedes has, which is wacky. Do you mean in his in, the, in his rookie of the year season, or did he win? Get, his, good. his entire from 2015 until now. Mm, okay, I'm surprised at that. I think there are yeah. a couple easy arguments against uh, both uh, for both sides. So, like the the counter argument to Mookie is that concentrated value is important. Right, like Fulmer might give mm-hmm. you this value over a couple of years, but if you can get all that value all at once, that's more meaningful. Mm-hmm. And also, let's like, other- go, go, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't on, on, on the other hand, I think that that Cespedes explosion was mostly an aberration. Right, like you could have never predicted that 
Oh. Cespedes is just gonna go fucking supernova for a month and a half. And if that doesn't happen, I think the trade looks a lot worse. So it, it's, it depends on how you want to evaluate this. It's like it worked, but I don't know that it should have. Right? <laughs> Luckily it did. Right, right, it did. It was, it was loads <laughs> of fun. Well, and, and one of the interesting things to me about the Cespedes stuff that always made me laugh is that they, the Mets got him a little older in his, not, oh, he wasn't old, but like, he was better as a Met than anyone else, than anywhere yeah. else offensively. So mm-hmm. like, even after that, when they re-signed him and he was playing all over the outfield and not left field, like, he was still a better hitter here than he was anywhere else too. And I don't think they re-signed him. I, I, I don't even think they look at him in free agency if they don't trade for him. Like, knowing how the Wilpons were and knowing how just their budgets worked, they would, they would rather give that to someone who's been in the building than not. And I don't think the re-signing happens. And now, like, you could argue that it wasn't good because of the heels and he not playing this year and now he's gone probably and who knows what his career looks like now, but I don't know. I, I, I would do that trade 10 times out of 10 again because even not knowing the hindsight because, like, the Mets made the World Series one other time in my life. Yeah, like That's absolutely true. Like with with how little the Mets have been successful in as long as I've been alive, screw it, go for it, go for it every yeah, time I mean, you can. Because that's, like, yep, that's a time when you have to. Like you have to because like everyone was like, oh yeah, the Mets will be back. They were not back. No, they were never <laughs> they even close. You know what I mean? Like you could look at 2015 and be like, well, the arms will stay. They did not stay healthy except for Degrom. You know, like. This, like, all these prospects would come up and blah, 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 and, like, they, they made the wild card game the next year, and then that's been it. So, like, you, like, I, it, it's hard for me to get behind being mad about the main acquisition that got you to your first World Series in 15 years. Like, it's just, to me, it's just, like, yeah, the stats and all that stuff, and that's important, and I look at them too, and that's how I evaluate players also, but, like, Cespedes was the reason why the Mets were better than the Nationals that year. Like, mm-hmm. once he came, and once he was on that tear, they were the better team. And God, that three-game series in Washington exactly. was the yeah. best. It oh, was, man. and it, like, snuck under the radar, I remember, because I was home that day during the trade deadline, and I was just refreshing Twitter. And, like, it was, like, <laughs> 3.55, and there was, like, no Mets news. And I was like, are they serious? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah. like are they, this is what they're going to do? They're just going to be like, screw it? Like, Juan Uribe is, is, is the big acquisition at the deadline, and... Kelly Johnson, and then it was like three fifty nine, and it was like Mets get Cespedes, and I was like, oh, nice. <laughs> I don't, I didn't even remember that name being like rumored to them either. I was, I was on the train. Well, it was on either the ferry or the train. I was actually, I went to that game. Me, another guy from the site, Russ and Mookie, and that was the Wilmer Flores game. And yeah. that's when even, even literally the first minutes of the trade going through, he wasn't too sure about it. So I mean. He's dedicated. I I think there's a, a real duality to being a fan, especially a fan as um, what's the right word for what we are? Psychotic. Um, that's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's probably the correct word. But let's say invested instead, right? I think you can come at this from an objective, value-based standpoint, thinking about how you're modeling out team success, et cetera, et cetera. 
And from that perspective, I think the trade looks bad. And I think at the same time, it's totally fair to say, yeah, but as a fan who likes the Mets being good and being fun, yeah, fuck yeah, we're doing this thing again. Mm-hmm. And, and that's important too because this is a game. Yeah. Right. So I think I, I like I think about it this way. I show up to an interview for to be to join a front office. I'm gonna be like, yeah, objectively, this wasn't smart, but it was fun. I mean, there's there's certain situations where you have to. Yeah, absolutely. Overpay to get what you need to be, and yeah. overpay if you want to consider it that or not. But it got the Mets where they needed to be. So, mm-hmm. and also, like as good as Fulmer was, it was one season, and yeah. he tore up his elbow a bunch, and that's been it. Yeah. Like, so in the long run, like the the Tigers got like one really good season out of out of trading Cespedes in a year that it didn't like. Like if the if the Mets don't do this trade, they don't make the World Series in 2015, and also Fulmer is not helping now. So, right. no. like That's another Fulmer, at, Fulmer was a, was a position where they had surplus. Yeah, like you could easily be Sandy and look and be like, ah, yes, I have all these pitchers who are going to be here for a long time. I could afford to deal a good one. Mm-hmm. And sure, like you you can't predict Harvey and you can't predict Thor having Tommy John and Wheeler taking forever to come back and. But I don't know. I I, screw I mean, in the end, it's better they traded Fulmer than Wheeler, right? Because Wheeler yeah. was supposed no, yeah. to be in that Gomez deal, and and Wheeler yeah. has turned out gave them more value when he was here. That deal mm-hmm. would have not good. So, talking yeah, about no. deals that were bad, that deal would have been. Oh, I was I was very anti Gomez deal. Like his hip yeah. was clearly like he was clearly yeah. borked. And I mean, good on the Mets for rec- recognizing that because that's what happened, right? It was the medicals. Yep. Yeah. And then they got so much shit for it. Which I never understood. Like, if you're not it's the Mets and they have a reputation yeah. of being idiots, so yeah. yeah but like, <laughs> this was one time where it was just like, oh, <laughs> they actually did their due diligence. Damned if you do, and damned if you don't. All right, about a month after that now, on August 30th, the Mets traded Miller Diaz and Matt Koch to the Arizona Diamondbacks for right-handed reliever Addison Reed. And same thing like the Clipper trade, except neither Diaz nor Koch had the upside that Meisner had, and Reed was a million times better than Clippard was. And this was, just, um, this was just a massive heist. It's maybe even the, Met, the, 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 the best trade that Sandy made because he gave up like nothing. And yep. he got a guy back that was dominant for like a year and a half, two years, whatever. Yeah, he was legitimately so... one of the best relievers in baseball for Absolutely. a solid year, year and a half. It's like mm-hmm. it's like a like we, we no one's gonna think of it like that, but it's some of the best Mets pitching too by him, like as a reliever. Like yeah, he had like him. a like it was like a, a two fifteen or something ERA plus when I looked the other yeah, day. Yeah, he was just like he would come in and it was just like okay, it's the ninth, it's it's the ninth inning now. Like it's it's. You're not going to get hits off him in his over. Disgustingly good. I think, uh, I mean, I really want to credit, I, I, I don't know how this trade came about, right? I don't know if this is Sandy who just acquired someone that worked out or if this was a collaborative effort, but it really felt like with Reed, the Mets acquired a pitcher who perfectly fit what their coaching staff was yeah. good at. Like yeah. he immediately mm-hmm. came in the door, and Dan Worthen took one look at him and said, yeah, you're you're 50% better now because... I can work with this. Yeah. So I I don't know if that was them working together to achieve this or just happenstance. If it was them working together, that's that's brilliant front officing. 
basically. It's a perfect fit. Perfect fit. This you, is what we're good at. We're gonna. This is what we're good at. Here's an asset that's undervalued because this team's not good at it. We're gonna get him for cheap and transform him into a monster. And and, and I remember that trade. Everyone being like, "Eh, he's he was good in Chicago, mm-hmm. and then he's never really been good again." And yeah. like, he just came here and was just like, "I'm an elite reliever for two years." Yep. And then he went to Minnesota, and it, that's it. Like, he hasn't even done anything. Yep. So it's just like, it was like a perfect, it was like a perfect storm to have, like, just, and that's the thing about trading for relievers, is, mm. like, you could make them sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's another part of why I don't think the Clippard acquisition was great, because it doesn't fit what they were good at. You're acquiring a, you, you have a specialty for developing these razor blade sliders and you're acquiring a soft contact changeup guy with bad profile. Anyway, I don't want to talk about I don't want to <laughs> rant about No, me. no, I I get what you're saying. Yeah. Reed was their best reliever. Their, oh, absolutely. Was oh, familiar yeah. familiar was pretty fucking good down the stretch in twenty fifteen. Oh I, and Reed was better. <laughs> like like <laughs> like that's how good I thought Addison Reed was. I know he was better in twenty sixteen. In twenty sixteen Reed was just yeah, insane. But mm-hmm. familiar down the stretch in 2015, he like suddenly figured out that that splitter thing, yeah. which was, was just unfair. It's wild how like we complain about the bullpen like now. Four years, four years ago, five years ago, it was uh, one of the elite one-two punches in the sport. <laughs> like, yep. Like you got to the seventh inning of a game and you're losing against the Mets, you're probably just losing. It's really like pitching for you. It's crazy. It's crazy how good they were. Mm-hmm. All right, so now the draft, and they had no first-round pick because they sacrificed it for Michael Kadire. Womp womp. Do you guys remember the conspiracy theory that they were going to trade for Troy Tulowitzki, and this was just a sneaky method of trading the Rockies a first-round pick? No, that's... No, uh... but... <laughs> It's like an underhanded way of saying, yeah, 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 do you offer this guy arbitration, we'll sign him, so that's the way of handing you a first, and then we'll also trade other stuff for Tula. I support. Well, uh, yeah, I don't know if that would have been better or worse, given how the <laughs> panned out, but... No, no. I really wanted the Mets to get Tula always, I was one of those. Yeah, yeah. But obviously, without a first-round pick, that put more importance on the second-round pick. And the second-round pick that year was the aforementioned Desmond Lindsay, whose career has just kind of petered out because of repeated injuries to the legs and hamstring and all the kind of stuff that a player of his vein, kind of speedy athletic outfielder, needs to rely on. So, definitely sucks. Good upside play. Didn't work. Mm -hmm. It was one of those things where if you're not going to have a first, I... Kind of like being aggressively aggressive with the upside in the second. And at at times, Lindsay was considered a kind of back end first round guy, but those injuries, which have plagued him forever, caused him to drop from the first round. So that's the only reason why he was available in the first place. Yeah, like sometimes the off injured injured guys stop getting hurt, and mm-hmm. you got a seal on your hands, but sometimes they don't, and. And you have Desmond Lindsay on your hands. Exactly. Exactly. Sometimes they don't, and bam, you have a dude who's never healthy. And then with the IFAs that they signed that year, again, nothing really, uh, nothing good. The biggest bonus that year they gave to shortstop Kenny Hernandez, 
and he is no longer even in the organization, so Jeez. didn't uh didn't get anything from there either, so Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But twenty fifteen definitely was the season where everything came together and they were basically like a little bit above five hundred at the All Star game. And then they added Cespedes a couple weeks later, and he was like the nitrous oxide system to the Mets, and just, boom, just got them over the hump and into the playoffs. And then Wright came back and was good, and mm-hmm. like, which was awesome for David Wright and, reasons. But and then like, once, once the playoffs started, Daniel Murphy just went off. He became like Babe Ruth. <laughs> yeah. Just fucking eviscerated the Nationals down the stretch every time. I was at, like, I was at a... Oh, sorry. No, no, yeah, yeah. you go ahead. I was at a I was at a bar in, in during one of those games against the, the Cubs. It was with Jeff, and I think it was from Greg Karam, who used to work with us too. And it was like, holy crap, man! Like I I've never seen anything like that, Murphy, during that series. Like it was insane. It was just. Who did he take? Who did he take God. deep? Like Kershaw twice, Granky, Arietta, Hendricks. Just could it not was, be stopped. It was literally whoever they put in front of him. Yeah, <laughs> you could have put like Cy Young in front of him. He would have been like, nah, three three run home run. Like maybe, it was insane how good he maybe was. Maybe not Old Haas though. Old Haas. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that 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 got them that combination of of those pitchers and then Cespedes and Murphy got them into the World Series and. It felt like they were just going to... It felt like they had to do it. Like, it just was fate. And then they just ran to the goddamn Royals, and their team is just literally built to destroy a team like the Mets. Yeah, it just was a like bad the Mets. The Mets were built to destroy a team like the Cubs. So, I mean, it's kind of like rock, paper, scissors, like that triangle of, of effectiveness. And, and they still almost won. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it, it was, was close. It was close. It was a four... It was a 4-1 series, and they were like, should have won all those games anyway. Like, yeah, yep. It was one of those that's gonna. It looks like a blowout, and it's, it was just so, so frustrating. Mm-hmm. But between all the players that stepped up that season, and then all the players that they used to acquire other people that did step up, the farm system did exactly what a farm system is supposed to do. It produced players to the major league team, or it produced players to be traded to improve the major league team. And without, you know, the Mets farm system being as strong as it was at that point, you know, coming into the 2015 season, it was in the top five, in, uh, well, not top five, excuse me, in the top ten in terms of strongest farm systems in baseball. So without Sandy having boosted it to that degree over the preceding couple of years, you know, there's a possibility that the Mets don't, make the, the playoffs, still make the World Series, so. Good. Sandy, good Sandy did a great job. Yeah, yeah good job, job, Sandy. <laughs> and also, like, he gets extra marks for doing this while Jeff Wolfon is, like... Peeking over just, his shoulder? Yeah, just every moment of every day. He has to deal with that, too. Yep. He, he, he did it on, like, super hard difficulty, instead of, like, just the regular <laughs> difficulty everyone else was working on. Handicapped. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Alright, any last words for the week? Do fun things this off season. 
please. Yeah. All right. If anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you could send us an email. Not everybody, though. Just some people. <laughs> at our email address from complexthequeens at gmail.com. You could follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Sleiper. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at Ken1191. Thomas is at ZMetSeason, SDN. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Rate and review it. And, of course, thank you for listening. And we will be back next week. And until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets.